Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Honestly, you're so spoilt. I'm I literally spoiled. had a broken bed and poo on the wall. Hi, I'm Gareth. And I'm Ollie. And we are... The Newly Dads. The Newly Dads. Great. Let's right, try that again. We're the Newly Cancelled. Newly Dads. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Hi, I'm Gareth. And I'm Ollie. And we are... The, the Newly Dads. Dads. And the twins this week are... 16, 16 weeks old. You're going to have the beard soon. Welcome back to Newly Dads. You know, I'm not glugging today. We are so busy this time of year because it's Christmas. There's lots going on. Then with the addition of twins and then everything else mad in our life. It's just not... Tenable to drink all the time. Well, this, I, uh, it's annoying because this is my therapy and this is something I really enjoy doing. So it's annoying me that I can't have a glass of wine. And it is also because we're going for drinks later with Tom Evans and Nicole Scherzinger. Name drop. Why all these name drops? Well, I just I need a dustpan and brush in here. Ollie's but, dustpan and brush. So I'm not going to drink with you today. I'll drink with you next week, but today it's going to affect the podcast being sober. Well, it would be. <laughs> no, <laughs> certainly not. Certainly not. So we did have that failed attempt of trying to get away from the babies. <laughs> it was our, it was our get away from, trying to get away from the babies for a night. We went to your mom's graduation, didn't Yes, they? she graduated with a 2-1. Congratulations, Sarah Locke. You did very well in creative writing. We're very proud of you. Woo! So we did do that, and we went away and had a rather nice evening, actually. So after we had that one successful night away, how do you feel about that going forward? How did you feel? I felt all right about it. If we're going out on an evening, I'd rather go back with them, because you wake up in the morning and then suddenly you go, they're not here. Every time I see them, every, obviously every day, but if we're working during the day, I come back and I was like, we get photos every now and then smiling and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, I missed a smile. I was like, that's for me is a bit like, oh. Okay, so this is quite interesting. So we've had Cozzy. She's been like sort of giving back, smiling and everything. And now we've sort of turned the corner with Apollo, haven't we? Well, yes, mainly. I mean, Apollo reminds me of sort of a, a bit of a kind of school bully. <laughs> no, are you being bullied by our son? Well, no, he doesn't bully me. But if you're kind of quite close to him, he'll try and punch you in the he face. He does try. To, I don't know whether he knows what a punch is, though, but he does clench his fist and start swinging out the gate. Kicks as well. Yeah, and it's I don't kicker. really understand. I'm giving you everything, Apollo. We're giving you everything in our life. We've fought for so long, and all I get is a smack in the face. Do you know what the amazing thing is, though, that I've realized in the last week? Before, if we were to change him, or if we were to bath him, or make him slightly uncomfortable with any what way, he would burst into tears and have, like, real tears, like, coming down. He'd feel dreadful for him. Now, he's stoic as hell. And he's smiley. This week was one of our situations that we had to do the vaccination. It's the second, second lot of vaccinations we've done, isn't it? And it is the most horrendous thing in the entire world. I physically can't watch. There's sort of a tactic to it, isn't there? And one of my friends was like, right, before you go cowpole, and then they have the vaccinations, they might get a bit of temperature, all this sort of thing. 
When we first did the vaccinations, we both did one each, didn't we? So yeah. I did Apollo, you did Cosma. This time, because it doesn't really bother me that much, you just stood in the sort of corner of the room crying. Does this make me a bad person? No, I'm not you're just sadistic. I'm not sadistic. Like you just, I, I mean, if you've seen the needles of the children, they're like, well, probably two inches long. You've got to hold the baby in like a sort of, almost like a recovery position on your chest and hold their little calf. And it's one in each leg. And then they know once it's gone in one leg, they know one's coming to the other when you flip them around. It's Cosmo's little lip going that I abs- as soon as it goes in, suddenly it's the wobble, isn't it? And then also when Cosy was making that like little face, which is like huffing, I was a bit like, this reminds me of Ollie's trying to make himself cry when he's like, oh, I went to Rada and I can make myself cry on command, and you're doing like that face. Sorry, so I'm like, is it all a bit pretend? I can cry way better than Cosy can. Like I could actually theoretically do it right now if you want me to. If I talk. Like this, my eyes will go. And I'm talking very seriously, and my eyes are going. And so when you're acting, it's a very... And if you're lucky, and you work hard, and you talk about it properly, oh your God. eyes will go, and and suddenly you basically, you're basically crying then. And then suddenly you get the tears going down. And that, for me... that Do you know what that was for me? Was that good? That was Oscar worthy. Do you Thanks know what that, so much? I think I found what my new ick is. <laughs> if I'm completely honest, that literally that was Look, like and tear going down. central, tear running, run. There's all that Botox, mate. That's stopping it all coming out. It's frozen. I was fairly good at acting. Back Have in the day. you ever faked a cry no. in front of me? No. No, he'd be able to read me too well with that because actually I'm a really ugly crier. With me crying, it would be like this. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's me, like, fucking, no, that is actually, my God, your cry face, you're literally Kim K, you literally are, like, anti-boner. Like, I am that the is ugliest crier, you and are. it's so erratic, like, it's actually a, a bit of a problem. We're getting to the stage now where there starts to become a lot of firsts, so we got, like, the first giggle out of Apollo this week. I didn't hear a giggle. There is a giggle, yeah, and he smiles, and he actually, there was a when, coup. He, when he sees me, Not he a smiles. military one, but, like, a, a coup. <laughs> He smiles and then he like giggles and pushes it out. I mean, the laughs are going to get stronger, but then I sort of don't want to miss that. And the other week when we had our anniversary, I was annoyed because with Apollo and Cosy now giving more back, there is another level to the connection that we have with them. You are in it so much. And there is such a huge adjustment to being parents. Suddenly your life is turned upside down. And we were talking about this earlier, actually, and it's kind of like that thing where if the kids are real, you can't have people over, you can't see people. But you made up an excuse the other day, wasn't it? What's the excuse? As in the excuses, we now have a fundamentally fucking wonderful excuse not to do something. I have sort of borderline used the excuse of the kids in order to not have to leave the house and so we can be with them, but they were perfectly fine. Or were you just really tired and never going to go out? Potentially. Probably. But that's one of the situations you kind of, kind of, oh, I'm so sorry. No one can argue with the fact that you've got newborn twins. You're like, I'm oh, so we can't sorry. because the baby's not well. We haven't used that to get out of this, which is amazing. Uh, I promise you. But, but no one's going to be like, well, like, too, tough luck. You'd be like, you're no, a sadist. No. Yeah, yeah, they can't. They're and premature they're just, babies. It is a very convenient excuse, isn't it? Having kids, because I'm sure everyone's done it, but there is basically like, oh no, it's it's the baby's bathroom, it's this, it's that, it's that. But I have said, oh, the kids, and they had been poorly the week before. You know what? It's just easier than being like, oh, I don't want to see you. Can't I just find feel a bad. I'm just a people pleaser. That's what the issue is. I don't want to upset people. So I'm just basically like, I have the excuse for the kids. And then that person doesn't feel bad that I don't want to see them. 
which is probably the case. So we have Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen coming on, who's going to talk to us about interior design, particularly in nurseries. I just need to ask whether he's my actual real father. I think he looks so much like you whenever there's actually probably so much online or like from stuff we've filmed, what I do, especially when trying to grow your hair a bit longer, that you looked like Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen. I mean, I'll take it. There's a lot of crossovers. We're eccentric and wear nice clothing and have hair like... You both ride on your hair. Yes, Oh, much. and he's got stubble now as well. He actually has, has a beard now as well. Right? Maybe he's copying me. No, no, no. His beard's been around a lot longer. When you were growing up, what was your like childhood room? So I had a lovely room. I remember it being yellow, but it was also that kind of speckled yellow. You know, like my dad's house. Oh, like when there's chipboard on the wall. Chipboard, yeah. Like braille wall. And I remember, and this is something I do remember, and this is a bit much, and I've never said this before, I remember wiping a bit of poo on the wall. Why? I don't know. It was a long time ago. How old were you when you decided to write shit on the like wall? Like maybe four or five. Do you remember doing it? I remember it being there. I can't remember actively doing it, but I must have just been like, I must have pooed myself or something like that. And I just wiped it on the, on the wall. How did you know it was your poo? I remember leaving in that house the last of a time. And I remember being like, that's poo on the wall. I know it is. Like that. <laughs> Other than Mr. Hanky splashed on the wall, what else did you have? I had an oak bed. That Louise, our nanny, broke in half. Right. This well, doesn't sound like the best room. It was lovely. It was a very nice one. I had nice, nice curtains and a nice view outside of an oak tree. I've actually got quite a storied history of my, bed, my bedrooms. Once I had a Scooby-Doo theme where my mum, bless her, painted Scooby-Doo on the wall. I had a massive obsession with Scooby-Doo. So then I had one where it was all the rage. Actually, it's probably changing rooms convinced me to. I used to love that show. Uh, where I had like stripes painted down the wall. They were pink, actually. So that was definitely a bit gay. That's so that was gay. Def- definitely a sign. My mum's an absolute G. She had her company and then she just used to come home and just paint my bedroom. Wonderful. Then I had like the cabin bed with a little bit underneath. And then my friend at school had a two-floor bedroom. So the next house, I made sure I had a two-floor bedroom. So I had like a little lounge. And then you went upstairs and you had like the double bed and all that. And then when I was a little kid, I obviously am massively into the interior designs because when I was a kid, my brother came downstairs once and was like, Dad, mum's not going to be happy with what Gareth's done upstairs. I was like two or three years Did old. Did you put on the wall? No, I didn't. I got a stick of butter from the kitchen. and But I pushed the bed up to the wall and bounced on the bed and gone from floor to ceiling with the butter. So it just absorbed it all into the wall. And mum went absolutely apeshit. And then I also did the same with felt-tip pens. They should have probably moved the bed away from the and wall. And what stage. was the situation? Why did you lube up the walls? Buttered the walls. I have no idea. I just think, you know, it was yellow. And I thought, oh, maybe I wanted a yellow room like you had. Oh, that's nice. I know. We're already, we were like, Connect, con- like connected, connected back then. Telepathically. I was like, my soulmate has a yellow room and I need Tepidecan. a yellow room too. So I decided to get the lure pack and just redecorate the shit out of it. Now, I was very lucky at one point in my life that I got to know the local blockbuster man. That sounds dodgy as hell. Doesn't it? But he used to give me the posters. I was a lot straighter back then, but I definitely had uh, the Pamela Anderson barbed wire. Right, okay. And that was her with her boobs out. And I was like, Mum, it's actually a very seriously good film. I'd never was watched it. it. Never watched it. Was an 18, it. Never watched it in my life, but it was Pamela Anderson basically in leather with her tits out. Then I obviously, boarding school legend, I would have pictures of Kelly Brook with her boobs out. Uh, I would have Jordan. Katie Price. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Cindy Crawford for a classy angle. <laughs> I don't know how I got away with... Kelly Brook with her nipples out. I was like 13. I, I 100% was never been allowed something like that. My room from when I was about 12, I had like the room upstairs. So you came in and it was like this little thing with a big walk-in wardrobe. And then I had my game center where I had my big plasma TV and all the DVDs. Then you're up these little wooden stairs and then it had a slide that came down. Honestly, you're so spoiled. I'm I literally spoiled. had a broken bed and poo on the wall. <laughs> I'm not a very pin-up on my wall sort of person. You clearly were. I... 
would have had something like Adam Rickett, maybe, or Paul Nichols. Who's Adam Rickett? He was on EastEnders like a long time ago, but he I, had the, the curtains. Oh, you were a I had boy. the curtains. I remember going into the hairdressers in Titchfield in Hampshire, a little local village. I said, hi, can you make me into uh, that, please? And it was a picture of Paul Nichols from EastEnders at the time. It's a bit like, you know that when you change your haircut, you're not going to turn out to look like that person. It just is a slightly dodgier version of a haircut. Someone definitely said that to me before. Because there was this Disney film camera it was, and there was this guy with like this step, this like, blonde bobby thing and it was like cut shaved in and i remember every time i went to the hairdresser i tried to explain it and i just it's before like like um phones or you could print stuff out or whatever not before you print stuff but i would try to explain how the hair was and i remember drawing a diagram once a 2d diagram of how i wanted my haircut and it did not turn out okay i basically had curtains really bad curtains for a long time and a really bad relationship with hair gel i was great with it i must admit Freddie Prince Jr. was one as well. Do you remember he played in Scooby Doo, and that was a, quite a big deal. Scooby Doo one and Scooby Doo two in it. It's unleashed. I think Isla was Isla, in Scooby Isla was in Scooby Doo um, Scooby Doo one. She was in Isla Fisher. Yeah, she was. So I was in a film with Isla Fisher. I honestly need to get that dustpan and brush for your name. I was in a film with Isla Fisher and lived with her for six weeks. There is a story about this. Oh, this is horrendous. And this has been awkward for the last five years. This, it's one of those stories you kind of sweat towards. Ollie's just genuinely quite an empathetic, loving person. And um, it gets, and I think it gets you in a bit of awkward situations sometimes. So Isla Fisher got very upset because she was on her FaceTime with her son. And her poor little son said to her, why can I only see you on FaceTime, mummy, and you're not with me in Los Angeles? And we were filming Mykonos, and it broke her Isla's heart. I was standing next to Stephen Fry as well. We were doing a scene together. Another name. But it's true. <laughs> anyway, so me and Stephen Fry and Isla were all together and... We were all kind of trying to make sure she was all right. Anyway, she made the joke and she said, I don't even have, and Sasha, her husband, Baron Cohen's big dick to look after me tonight. Or it was a lol. So that night I went down into Mykonos and I found this enormous wooden penis. You've seen hanging up the dick bottle. So I bought her the most enormous penis I could find and put it on the side with a note saying, darling Isla, until you see Sasha here's your big penis. Lots of love, Ollie. Now, the day after, I looked down because my room was above hers and I looked down and there was still the, the big penis there. And it went on the next day. And then I was like, this is now coming three days later. This joke's gone a bit too far. Anyway, it started torrentially raining and I was like, you know what, I'm going to go and get it. So anyway, I went down and it wasn't there anymore. So I went to the bar that night and Isla was in there. And, oh, it makes me cringe so much. <laughs> She goes, uh, hi, Ollie. I just want to say thanks so much for the for the penis. And I was like, oh, absolute pleasure. And she goes, and the nice card. And I had done a really disgustingly like card about penises on the front that I'd found. And inside, the rain had gone so much, it just says, love, Ollie. <laughs> so there was no reference to the joke whatsoever. I didn't have time for those five weeks after that to even bring it up. So Isla Fisher just thinks I bought her a massive knob. We haven't spent as much time with babies apart from our own, as we should have, because they were premature. And I know it's no excuse, but most people go and do their kind of neonatal neonatal courses. courses. We thought we had how many, seven weeks left, so we could do all the NT classes, which is where you meet all your baby friends. So we have other people at the same age. Loners. We're baby In the baby world. All our friends' babies are like one or one and a half, 18 months. Like, we don't have any newborn baby friends. And my friends who have had babies are in the thick of it, like we are. And I can't be like, oh, you've got to come to me. Because then, although I could say that, because we've got two, they've got one. I mean, the only the only baby they've sort of met is Binky's. And that's, he's how old now? 13. 
13, <laughs> 13 months. And so it's not kind of the same. They're not on the same feeding schedule. Like one was in a high chair, ours were in the pram. Yeah. So this weekend, we're going down to my good friend Jade's and she's got her son who's my godson, Jamie. He's one. But our friend Ellie Hooper's coming down and she's got one that is literally just a few weeks younger than ours. So that would be nice. So we can have some lovely sensory kind of wonderful bits and they can all smile and be best friends. And they will be good friends because this is something that they will grow up with each other. And then also I just messaged her earlier and she was like, yeah, so we're going to do supper at 4.30 so that we've got lots of time with the babies. So I think it's going to be very baby-centric. Jade, who's a godmother, hasn't actually met the babies yet. So that's true. she's going to meet them. And then it's just very wholesome weekend. I'm going to be like super dad. I'm, you I, will I'm, be like that. I'm, you'll want... I'm, going to, I'm going to be like so proud and like, look at me with the kids, blah, blah, blah. They're sleeping seven till seven. And like being like, oh, look how well we're doing. It's almost like keeping up with the Joneses because it's quite funny because their daughter, Sophia, is like a genius. Like she's three, coming up to three, and she plays the piano. She could sign, right? She could sign before... Um, she could talk. She could talk. So, which is so clever because kids can't tell you what they want. So she can tell you when she can't actually articulate. And it's so clever. There's actually this Miss Rachel thing, isn't there, that I want to have a look there at. There is the... And that obviously we know that from... from um, Meet the Fockers. Meet the Fockers. That's 100. Meet the parents. Poop. But she did do that. She knows when you want to poop, she she does it. She tells you. And then they don't cry. They don't get frustrated like they sort of do when they're one, 18 months old because she can actually articulate. But... What they have is like this competition going on subversively where they're like, right, our kids are genius. Like, it's going to be better. So we're going to go down there and be told how wonderful their kids are. So I'm going to go down and be like, right, look how great well, our kids are. Well, we have to sort the outfits out. That's quite important. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a little parade. So the house we're going to, they own Super Dry and they own Holland Cooper clothing, which is both wonderful. Everyone's very stylish, isn't that? Very stylish, very cool. So I want to make sure that they are dressed... To the G. So we've now got Lawrence Flynn and Bowen. He's going to come on and talk to us about our interior designs for our nurse. I'm actually really excited about this because Lawrence has been a part of our lives for a long time. I think Lawrence is a bit of an icon when it comes to it. His interior designers come in and out of the world. However, Lawrence is a steadfast character in British television and media. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So, Lawrence, thank you very much for joining us. Are you joining us from Sirencester? 
I am, yes. You are, yeah. Uh, so you... I'm joining you from the old police station in Sorancester. This used to be the cell. So, you know, I uh, I feel as if I'm very kind of, I'm very naughty. <laughs> naughty, yeah, That's okay. This fabulous. is literally my red room. Got you locked up. Yeah, it's your red room of pain. Now, do you remember your first ever bedroom as such when you were a child? Well, yeah, I mean, you never forget it, do you? Children are unbelievably interested in what they see and wanting to do stuff about it. There's the most extraordinary thing, I think, that we drum that out of children. You know, very, very quickly, they're forced to stop drawing and painting and decorating and doing interior design and and forced to do sort of really irritating, sordid things like maths, um, you know, and (laughs) kind of engineering. Whereas actually, I think it's a basic human instinct to impose your personality on your environment. So I think children are constantly looking at ways of making their space theirs within the context of the rest of the uh, rest of the family members. So Gareth and I recently welcomed twins, a boy and a girl, which is always a bit more difficult when it comes to nurseries and, and uh, bedrooms because you have to do it sort of neutrally. I mean, I think this is all such a bizarre thing to say because, I mean, actually, design is neutral. Design has no gender. Gender is something that is a very, very recent phenomenon in design. And I think what people don't understand is that we've got it completely jumbled up anyway. For the Victorians, blue was the girl colour. Uh, uh, they would always use blue to denote girl because that was the colour of the Virgin Mary, whereas red or pink, uh, they were considered to be much more active, much more martial colours. I'm now on my fourth grandchild, and this sort of perception that you have to do things in a particular way because of a specific gender, I find absolutely extraordinary. And then, as you say, if you're not careful, you try and find this sort of ridiculous state of neutrality, which is yellow or even worse, beige. One of the things I absolutely can't bear are these sort of nurseries where everything's done in shades of Stacey Solomon. Um, you know, <laughs> what's, that, the, what's the shade? What is the shade of Stacey Solomon? Well, everything from gaudy grey right the way up to you know bougie beige. Oh god, um, yeah. You know, Super and we've neutral. all been. To the, it's all the sort of the kiddie cliches, but they just happen to be in you know like shades of nia. The thing that you two need to really grasp, everyone needs to grasp, is the fact that, you know, actually the, the creation of a, a, an environment for your child is about stimulation and as stimulating as possible. Um, and the thing is, don't bloody infantilize your infant. Talking down to uh, a baby aesthetically is the worst thing you could do. I mean, the amount of new parents that kind of try and teach their babies baby language, I don't understand. You know, instead of calling a cat a cat, it's sort of like, you know, call it a pussy or whatever. Um, <laughs> actually, I feel you go in big, you go in sophisticated, you go I... in to stimulate. And I think in a funny sort of way, this is one of the reasons that the um, Harry Potter books did so well for your generation, is the fact that they were unbelievably sophisticated children's literature at a time when children's literature was actually very dull and very kind of, uh, um, you know, very, there's an enormous amount of stuff not happening. Yeah, one-dimensional. Actually, as much stimulation in a child's environment, in a baby's environment, I think it's very good. So not dissimilar to you, I have a, a huge passion for North Cornwall. However, for me, it was the idea of the nets in Padstow, the colours of the mackerel that come in on the boats in rock, all that kind of stuff that for me, uh, nautical themes, all that kind of stuff has always been a massive part of my mm. uh, growing up. With the seascape and stuff like that, we wanted to try and create something. Like we've got a wonderful light in the that lamp in the well, room. This, I mean, this is the 
the point, isn't it? I mean, this is what happens when, when you know, when the children come along, is you start, in, uh, you start sort of transposing your own experiences, uh, your, your, you know, perception of what your childhood was like, onto the next generation, onto your children. So, you know, you, you've got positive uh, um, uh, associations with, with by, being by the sea, um, which is, you know, why not start there? You know, by all means, why not start there? By the sound of it, you have done this. Don't kind of rein in the sophistication because you feel that these newly minted blobs can't cope with it. Um, and the more sophisticated you are, I think the the, the, the better it is. I've just said the latest um, the latest grandchild's on the way, and um, uh, I think they're toying with the um, uh, the name Zaflora, which I love. I think that's a very <laughs> useful uh, that- and quite floral name, um, and also. Obviously, uh, opens up all sorts of sponsorship options, yeah. which I like. <laughs> I Although I was going through it, because then you get crackers and the hotel. Quite right. Hermione was very, very keen to have storytelling. Now, I've done a wallpaper for her, which is incredibly detailed and has a very strong narrative. But the narrative is there for Hermione or her husband Drew to, to, to unlock, because there's no, there's no sort of set story to it, but there's just an enormous amount going on. And I think very much in the way that you've done with your fish, I can imagine that you will be doing that as the bedtimes progress. You'll be telling stories about mackerel. Marvellous. Now, you mentioned Hermione before, and are we right in research that Hermione was born in 1998? Yes, she was. Yes. And 1997 is when Harry Potter came out. Yes. Was that so anything was to do with Was this a slightly annoying yeah. situation, or was this a Harry Potter love, or was it a Shakespearean so you have love? Mentioned Harry no, Potter. no, no, no. Uh, it was actually Hermione badly, and uh, Graham Wynn, who was um, on Changing Rooms with me, he was very fond of actressy names, so we went with Hermione. So there's another level to all of this, which is that Jackie was at Sorbonne in the early 80s. She had a very large social group, and there was a girl that we used to know quite well, and we knew her as Jo. We had no idea she would become J.K. Rowling. Jo still to this day claims that we were always said we'd have a Hermione, and it was a name that she'd never heard before. So certainly Hermione Llewellyn Bone feels very strongly that she was involved in the um, genesis of Hermione Granger. What would be your top line sort of advice, an essential for every nursery? A child. Uh, yeah. I think without a child, <laughs> <That makes sense. laughs> it's like having, you know, I mean, what's the point? The first and most important thing is gin, because, you know, without gin, you're going to take it far too seriously. No, I mean, there's no essential at all. I mean, this is, again, the other point is that, you know, you need to get beyond all the tropes. You need to sort of stop thinking that there's a, there's a kind of a checklist uh, uh, where, where you need this, you need that. It's entirely up to you, mm. um, and to a large extent, entirely up to the personality of the child. Get to know your children as early as possible. Their personalities are there. And start thinking about how that is something you can help them grow with by reflecting in the environment in which they they, they spend time. Jackie's biggest tip, oh my God, when the grandchildren came along, she's so clever, charity shops always charity shop never buy them anything new they mm. really don't care at all go to the charity shop buy something for a couple of quid they'll you know they'll play for it for a couple of months and then take it back to the charity shop why do we need to keep you know making more and more and more and more stuff in single-use plastic actually it's all there anyway because mm. the kid down the road has just gone off marvel figures so you go buy his marvel figures and then you pass them on and then you buy the, you know, the, the, the Ninjago or whatever. And as for this fiction that somehow children can exist on tasteful wooden toys, mm, no. That is always the first go-to, I think. I love that. You know, so you go into someone's new nursery and they're all kind of socially insecure and they've done it in shades of grey and all that kind of stuff. A 
I didn't want to kind of gender profile them, so it's not pink and it's not blue. So I've gone for beige. Right, well, that's great. Um, and they've got these wooden floating shelves uh, on which they've got some really lovely hand-carved toys from Denmark. And you go, well, yeah, but where's <laughs> yeah. all the shit? Because your children yeah. sure aren't playing with those, are they? No. <laughs> for you, in that sort of sense, then, is it no holes barred? Is it anything that is too hideous for a children's nursery? One of the things about children is that they are absolutely always going to derail your particular design style. You're going to want everything to be your way. Child comes in spewing inordinate quantities of brightly coloured plastic all over the place. <laughs> and it's all He-Man or Iron Man or, or My Little freaking pony and it makes stupid noises when you tread on it and stuff like that and it is all absolutely revolting but to your kid these things are treasure these things are bullion these are the most important things in the world so actually you've got to love them too and that is absolutely where you go with it if your kid loves it you love it too and actually i mean i feel intellectually as a designer okay then bring it on Bring on the Ninjago. Okay, if it's going to be scattered all over my drawing room, I'm going to find a way of making it work. Let's put all the Ninjago in a William Morris bowl on a Chippendale table. That's great. <laughs> you know, that's that's suddenly the Chippendale table looks a lot better. You know, it's right. <laughs> this is all just stuff, but it's stuff that means an enormous amount to the one creature that means an enormous amount to you. So you respect it. We're obviously new dads and what would be your overarching piece of advice for that? Gin. As, you, you're, gin. gin. It's like gin. mother's ruin, isn't it? Gin. Just send me, send me down the rabbit hole. Gin. You've got to just really get your head around the fact that it feels like an enormous responsibility and if you communicate your relationship with your children as an enormous responsibility as far as you're concerned, a burden, they're going to hate you forever. Just spoil the shit out of them. I spoiled my daughters to such an extent that they ended up going through 360 degrees of spoildom. So they ended up being actually really quite humble human beings. (laughs) Never, ever measure what you are doing against other people and against uh, the way that other people do it. That is the big piece of advice. And like I say, gin is a great way of helping you do that. It's mother's ruin because it made mother interesting. That's the last thing anybody wanted in the 20th century was an interesting mother. So that was really interesting, wasn't it? I actually really enjoyed that. We are going to get more wild guests on. We've got some lined up that are really, really fun as well. So thank you all so much for listening to Newly Dads. Uh, It's been a lull. Next week, we'll be drinking more, more stories. If you have any more ridiculous questions, make sure you email us on newlydads at jampopproductions.co.uk. And we look forward to hearing from you. And also, don't forget, if you've got any other questions, you can send them to our socials as well, at Newly Dads and at Newly Dads on TikTok. Make sure you subscribe and follow, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. listening to Newly Dads with Ollie and Gareth Lotlock. The producer is Ben Johns. The assistant producer is Maya Adelia. Videography by Jamie Gilbert. Video editing by Jake G. The executive producers are Jemima Rathbone and Jamie Lang. And Newly Dads is a jam pop production. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. 
So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.